Welcome to First United Methodist Church's worship service. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton Campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org to learn about in-person worship times at both locations. Worship will begin shortly. We are glad that you are with us. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to First United Methodist Church of Brighton and Whitmore Lake. My name is Reverend John Reynolds, and welcome on this snowy, beautiful March day. I don't know about you, but I was really hoping to put the salt away and the snow shovels and all that kind of stuff, but God blessed us with a couple of extra of snow days, and I'm sure some of you would be pleased to know that Mount Brighton is open for an extra weekend because of these extra snowfalls that we've got, so I hope that you're able to use extra caution on your way home and and while walking across the campus here today. This is Lent, a season of preparation, a season of contemplation, a season where we get to look inward to grow in our faith. I've seen wonderful things on Facebook where it says, you know, the extroverts get most of the holidays, but introverts get to claim the season of Lent. Uh, it's time of, of deep introspection and contemplation. I hope that, that, that it has been that for you. As you go through this season of Lent, I hope you've had an opportunity maybe to take on a spiritual practice, to grow in your faith, to have an opportunity to learn a little bit more about God and to help you love God, know God, and serve God a little bit better. And that's exactly what we're here uh, striving to help people do here at the church. We've been working our way through a book called The Seven Words by Susan Robb, a pastor out of the Highland United Methodist Church in Texas, throughout the season of Lent, and it's focused our attention on the last things that Jesus said before before he died. And we hope that as we look at those words that we might look within ourselves, some of the things that matter most to us as we examine Jesus's seven last words on the cross, we hope that they will be meaningful for you as well as we, as we go through this sermon series. I want to let you know a couple of things that are going on here in the life of the church. Tonight there's going to be a town hall meeting at 5 p.m. in the space just outside the sanctuary. We call it the community room to talk about the leadership structure of our church. It's called the SAS system. It's a, a system that's been developed in the United Methodist Church over the last probably decade, a new approach to leadership and how we organize ourselves for ministry. If you're interested and have any questions about what it is or what it might be, we encourage you to come. The, the meeting tonight will be from 5 to 6.30. You can ask any questions that you might have. We're basically going to lay out the church leadership system for anybody who's interested. Please bring your questions and, and, and your concerns, and we'll be happy to, to answer them as best we can. We haven't made any decisions about it. It's an informational opportunity to learn more about the new church leadership structure. There's going to be a Taze worship service at 5 o'clock on March 19th. We encourage you to come and experience that. Taze is a beautiful form of contemplative worship. It oftentimes centers around uh, the repetition of certain phrases and stanzas in music, and so we encourage you to join us for that. Uh, the Easter egg hunt is going to be Saturday, April 8th. 
which is a Saturday before Easter. So we encourage you to register online if you're interested in attending that. And then this is the other good news. I just want to share with you the directories are here, the long-awaited photo directories, which we're excited about. They are located right as you walk into the community room on the right-hand side on your way out. They'll be on the left. They're in some boxes. And I want to let you know this. This is the most important part. Your names, those of you who took uh, photos for the photo directory, are actually on those. They've been handwritten onto some labels. They're actually on the back side. So as you go through them, they're in alphabetical order. We encourage you to pick them up after the worship service, take them home, and smile, you know, as you look through the pictures of your fellow congregants. We hope that they're a useful tool in, in continuing to get to know each other and learning about the folks who are here at the church. With that, I want to encourage you, if you receive the connection card on the way in the door, it should have been inside the bulletin. We encourage you to just take a moment to fill that out. Let us know that you are here. And if there's anything that we can be praying for you or alongside you about, I want to draw your attention to the yellow prayer cards, which are in the pew back in front of you. We'd be honored and humbled to be praying alongside you for anything that might be going on in your life or in the life of a loved one. We encourage you to just take a moment to fill that out. And with that, I encourage you to stand as you're able and join us in our opening hymn, song number 3177, Here I Am to Worship. The words will be on the screen for us.
welcome on this beautiful day that the Lord has made. I note that Pastor John said to take the directories home to look at them, so don't be peeking while we're all trying to be paying attention to worship. <laughs> Let us now join together in the opening prayer. Lord Jesus, our Savior, as you lifted your prayers to God, we lift our prayers to you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray that suffering be alleviated and hungry bellies be filled. We pray for social justice and for peace to win. We pray that you will guide us gracefully through whatever life brings. We pray for hope in a world that often feels hopeless, and we know that you understand. Be with us, Lord, always and ever. Amen. And be seated.
And the whole church said, Amen. Beautiful. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark. This is from chapter 15, verses 33 to 34. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you so much, Rose, for reading our scripture today. I invite you to join me in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be measured and found acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, and the one who gives us strength. Amen. As we get started here, I just want to say, when Pastor Lindsay and I were talking a little bit about this sermon series, about our Lenten study and the book that we are going to read, one of our biggest concerns was that we are going to spend, you know, basically like six weeks on Good Friday, you know? This is heavy stuff, and I want to acknowledge that as we begin. Um, it's okay to sort of hold in tension the joy that comes as we prepare for spring, and we get a couple of days that are like above 55 degrees, and people start wearing shorts instead of pants. The snow pants go tucked away for next year, but, but, but there's also like the reality of the work that we're doing in the midst of this sermon series as we're talking about. I, I actually find that this scripture passage is one of the hardest scripture passages for me to stomach in the entire uh, scriptures. It, it, it's hard to hear, quite frankly, um, and, and in certain respects, it's incongruent, I think, with the rest of the message of the gospel. So to set it in its place, we hear this story. Jesus is on the cross. He's been there probably for at least three hours, and in this passage, I don't know if you heard Rose say, but the entire area, the space, went dark in the midst of this moment. You can imagine, like, a major thundercloud moving in, and, and you know how some days it's, like, really bright, and then all of a sudden you look outside, and it's just darkness, you know, because the storm's rolling in, and, and you can imagine that taking place at some point around noon, and all of a sudden, Jesus looks up to the heavens and, and just cries out in an exasperated tone, I imagine. I sort of read into that, right? Because that's how you would talk if you were dying and at the end of your life, and you, he reaches out to God, and he says, my God, my God, why, has, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me here? Why is this happening? Why am I in this pain? And there's a couple of different ways to read this particular passage. You may hear over the course of your life as a follower of Jesus all kinds of messages about what's going on in this moment, but it seems a little bit weird at face value, strange, perhaps uh, disharmonious with the rest of the gospel for Jesus, the Son of God, part of the Holy Trinity in an eternal relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Jesus on the cross in this moment, in this moment of agony, looks up to God in heaven and says, my God, my God, my dad, like, why have you left me here? And one way to read that is, is to simply say Jesus is quoting Psalm 22, which would have been his scripture, his source of comfort. A lot of people in the ancient world during Jesus's time would have quoted the Psalms 
over and over and over again. There were psalms that people would say to themselves as they were walking up the hill. If you don't know, Jerusalem is actually on a hill in Israel. It was about a couple thousand feet of an ascent as you get into Jerusalem, and people would recite the psalms because if you've ever walked up a hill that's a couple thousand feet of elevation change, sometimes you need a song or a mantra or something to say as you walk up. There are other psalms that people would say when they were in trouble. There were other psalms that people would say when they were joyous. If you read the psalms, the beautiful thing about them is that they're incredibly honest, and this is one of the most honest psalms that I think is recorded in the Hebrew scriptures. If you should, if you have a chance, I encourage you to break out a Bible at some point in the next week here and read Psalm 22. It's not a psalm that will bring you a great sense of joy and comfort. If you want to just hear a brief excerpt of it, I want to read just a portion of Psalm 22 for you today. It begins exactly the same way that Jesus uh, started in this particular passage. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. That beginning piece of the psalm is this like heartbreaking cry of, of somebody who wants God to be near, who wants God to be close, who wants a God that will hear them when they cry out. And yet, in this particular moment, they're feeling a distant God, one who is removed, one who's maybe not listening. In other parts of the psalm, it's almost like David is shaking God, like, wake up, where are you? You can't hear me. You're sleeping. You're sleeping on the job. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this, where it feels like In a moment, God has either not heard you or turned God's back on you or isn't listening. Perhaps it's a moment when you've received bad news from a doctor. Or maybe you got one of those phone calls that starts and the person on the other end of the line says, I I, I just want to know, like, are you driving or are you walking? Like, maybe you should sit down for this one. And you hang up the phone and, and after hearing news that nobody wants to hear, you you find your heart skipping beats and you just wonder whether or not, like, in this passage, the entire universe has gone dark. In moments that I've had that happen in my life, sometimes it feels like my vision, uh, and, and maybe if there's a doctor in the room, they'd say, like, actually, you're having heart problems or something, but it feels like my vision, it goes from being sort of wide or panoramic to suddenly, like, I can only focus on a very small sort of column of what's right in front of me. Sometimes you feel your heart start to race. Your palms can get sweaty. These moments that we feel like we're abandoned. What I love about the Hebrew scriptures, like I said earlier, is they're so honest, right? Like, I, I, I find, you know, sometimes our version of Christianity today is like, you should always be faithful. You should never turn your back on God. You should never doubt. You should never ask questions. You should never wrestle. You should never have dark nights of the soul. Just just have faith, you know, is what sometimes people say to each other. It's sort of like, you know, knock each other on the back. And, and while that's like mildly encouraging, it doesn't acknowledge that there are moments in most of our lives that we come up against these dark nights of the soul where we're up at two o'clock in the morning wondering why, if God is good, all good, if God is all-knowing and all-powerful, why is this thing happening 
to me? And that question is an incredibly difficult question, one that's hard to wrestle with. There aren't necessarily any great answers, but to take you back 2,000 years, Jesus is just on the verge of breathing his last breath, and he reaches out to God and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there are some theologians that say in that moment, God literally turned God's back on Jesus because in that moment, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was the embodiment, the full uh, uh, representation of every human and sin that had ever taken place on the earth, and there are theologians, in particular theological traditions, that will tell you that in that moment, God actually did sort of abandon Jesus on the cross, and I'm here to tell you that I don't hold on to that at all, and the reason why I don't hold on to that is because I'm a dad, (laughs) and God also has this deep, eternal communion with Jesus and calls him his son, the one that he brought into the world not only to not to condemn the world but to transform the entire world and and as united methodists we are like heavy on grace we're heavy on god's love there are spiritual traditions that would say like in that moment god was angry with all of humanity because you can remember in the story like the same crowd that had shouted hosanna hosanna the one that welcomed Jesus in his triumphal entry on Palm Sunday into Jerusalem was the same crowd that was yelling, crucify him, crucify him, right before Jesus was crucified. And so there was a sense in which, like, all of us have some responsibility in Jesus being crucified because there are moments that we turn our back on who Jesus is. And, and I have to say, like, if I was in the crowd that day, I, I hope I would have the strength, right? But if Peter himself in that moment denies Jesus and all the disciples are hiding in the upper room except for the women who have courage, more courage than most of us guys, are at the foot of the cross, like, I, I can imagine myself, you know, in moments going along with the crowd, not doing what's right, but doing what's convenient or easy shall crucify him, and he is crucified. But, but in our spiritual tradition, this is what I choose to believe. That more than likely, Jesus is quoting the Psalms. He barely has any breath. He can barely get out words, and he begins Psalm 22, and he can't say anything beyond that. If he could, he probably would have finished the Psalm, but he's, he's acknowledging that in that moment, it feels like God has turned God's back. Of course it's not true. Jesus knows that the entirety of of the plan will come to fruition when he's raised from the dead on Easter morning, but I can empathize with where Jesus is at in this moment. Pain, unimaginable pain. Feeling at that moment perhaps a little bit of what it means to be human. And if you've ever had a moment like this, you know that they come, and they're hard. And in those moments, you know, maybe you want to rip your shirt, as David did in, in the Old Testament, or maybe you feel like burying your head in a pillow, or a couple of weeks ago, Carol shared that one of her postures of prayer is just to curl up in a ball and literally muster all of your strength, and you get through it. And, and I find comfort that, you know, the world spins on its axis, and every 24 hours, the sun rises again. And sometimes all we can do to get by is just wait for the sun to come out. On Good Friday, it was dark, but eventually the darkness subsided. Eventually, the the clouds parted, and the sun started shining again. This was a hard day, an unimaginably hard day, a day that, that I hope that 
you don't have to dwell in for enormous periods of your life because these moments are complicated. They oftentimes cause us to make phone calls and sometimes we need to meet with therapists and professionals to talk ourselves through these moments. But, but at the end of the day, the next day comes, Saturday, and then Sunday comes. I was talking with a family a couple of weeks ago um, and, and the funeral home called and said, Pastor John, I would love for you to do a service for a family that doesn't attend your church. And I always feel really humbled to be able to do that because uh, I always jokingly say, Pastor Lindsay does all the services where people take pictures, which oftentimes include baptisms and weddings. You know, they're, um, she's way more photogenic than I am. And I like to do services that people don't take pictures at, which sometimes include, you know, uh, funerals. And so, I always feel like there's really significant ministry that happens when you're celebrating people's lives. And I got a phone call, and some funerals are great. You know, somebody's lived a full and robust life, and it's a joyous occasion as people are celebrating and grieving at the same time, but some funerals are just agony. And that's what this one was. I got a phone call from the funeral home, and they asked me to do a service for a kid who was nine years old. And the worst part of it was that this kid had fought tooth and nail against cancer, not once, but twice. He had survived both times, and it actually wasn't cancer that took this kid's life. It was an absolutely heartbreaking situation. The beauty of the situation, if you can even find beauty in the midst of it, was that his six-year-old brother became his hero by becoming a bone marrow transplant uh, person. He was willing to give his brother a chance to survive by donating his bone marrow, the six-year-old. And so this kid had a t-shirt that said, my brother is my hero. And I sat down with the parents. And those of you that know, you know, our family know that, you know, a nine-year-old is not much different than our five and seven-year-old, right? Like, so as I'm sitting there, I'm going, oh my gosh. If I was in this situation, which I can pretty easily imagine myself in this situation, I know some of you have lost children, and, and that has got to be just the most difficult and challenging moment of one's entire life. But I'm sitting down with these parents, and they say to me, you know, uh, we want to have a spiritual service, but we just have to tell you right now, I can't even talk to God. I don't have words to express. I'm angry. I'm bitter. I'm resentful. I can't even talk with God. And I have to say, in that moment, I'm like, I get it. If I were in your shoes, I could understand exactly feeling that way. And the only thing that I can do in moments like that is turn to a psalm like the one, Psalm 22, and say, even in the scriptures, David, who had a heart exactly after God's own heart, it says in the scriptures, David, who was faithful, David, who was obedient to God's plan in his life, had a moment where he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? Why are you so far? Now, that wasn't where the story ended, but there were moments in David's life that he felt that way. And I told these parents, I said, you know, at the end of the day, to be angry at God, to not be able to say anything, to not formulate any words about God in this particular moment, at the very least, I have to say that there's a kind of faith that comes even when you don't have words to express. 
if all you are is angry, then that means God is still there. And I believe with all of my heart that God does not sit up in heaven looking for nine-year-olds to pluck from families, doesn't look for even 50-year-olds who are parents of young children. It doesn't look, God isn't up there sort of calling people's numbers like some kind of lottery saying, this is your time. And, and all the well-intentioned folks that come up to you when you're experiencing some sort of grief and loss and they say, you know, God must have had some great plan. You know, it, it must have been that person's time. And people are trying to come up with something positive to say when there's just grief and agony and anguish. And the truth of the matter is, I, 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 don't, I don't really believe that. Instead, I believe in this moment, if I could paint an image of what was happening on Good Friday, if I could hold us in that space and just see everything cosmically that was happening in the universe, I would paint Jesus on the cross, suffering just as we experience in the scriptures. And then if I could paint God... I would just paint tears. And a God that so wishes that God could prevent all of this from happening, a God that's looking down on Jesus on the cross, wrapping God's arms around Jesus, even in the moment where Jesus is quoting the psalm saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe with all of my heart that even in those moments, God is saying, I am here for you. I don't believe God abandons us. Not once. Not ever. If you read through the scriptures in their entirety, you see kind of a reoccurring theme. God comes to people, makes a promise, asks us to make a promise in return. We break the promise, you know, because we're good at that sort of thing. We do it over and over and over again. And then at the end of it, God finds some way to restore the promise to wholeness over and over and over again. I believe in the scriptures, even in this moment, that the promise gets fulfilled on Easter Sunday when Jesus is raised from the dead, that this moment isn't the end of the story, but I'm here to tell you that these dark nights, they come. And I hope in that moment, even if you don't have the words to talk to God, even if you're angry or bitter or resentful and you can't say anything whatsoever, I hope in that moment that you're reminded that Easter is coming that death doesn't get to have the last word, that God isn't trying to teach you something because that's another thing that people say all the time. Maybe there's a lesson in this. And I'm here to tell you that at the end of the day when terrible things happen to good people, I think at the end of the day, when you look back over the course of your life, some of those moments that are bumps and hiccups and dark nights of the soul, I do believe with all of my heart that God can use those things for good in the end but I don't think God causes them. And that's a big difference to me. Oftentimes it's our jagged edges that connect us. And it's amazing to me when somebody goes through trauma and when they go through an experience that's so challenging, they can barely speak about it, but years later when they're able to look back and maybe they look at somebody else and they say, man, you're going through a really difficult, rough spot. You're going through a terrible time in your life, but I want to tell you something. I've been there myself. And I'm here to tell you there's something beautiful on the other side of that. I think God's in those moments. God's in the healing and the restoration and the newness that comes when our jagged edges connect us. But I don't think God's in the storm, at least not causing it. And I believe with all of my heart that even though Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I believe that God was there 
wrapping God's loving arms around Jesus, even in that moment. And so as I finish up this, this sermon today, I want to just let you off the emotional hook of Good Friday, if I can, because I don't want to stay there for a month and a half. I want to give us some space to breathe and say a couple of things um, that are related and connected, but maybe different. And uh, one of the things I want to tell you about is um, on Maundy Thursday this year, a couple of days before Easter, we're going to be doing a, a special service that I want to invite you to. It'll be in the community room instead of the sanctuary. It's an opportunity for folks to come in and experience a, a hand washing, just like the disciples had their feet washed the night before Jesus was crucified. In addition to that, we'll be serving communion around round tables and, uh, and having a chance to experience what I hope would be like um, a Last Supper experience in the upper room where the disciples were to have been uh, the night before Jesus was crucified. And I wanted to, to share with you about that. And the other thing I wanted to share with you that's really exciting is um, a couple of months ago, uh, Joe Cunningham, a new member of our church, came to us and said, I'm really um, inspired by something that I saw another church do. He said um, that there was another church that kind of entered into a relationship with a restaurant just down the street from them and started providing through the church free meals to folks who are hungry in the community. And he wanted to do something like that here at our church. And so uh, Joe went down to Will's Diner, which is just on Grand River next to Planet Fitness, which is one of the places that I sort of like put on the map to navigate where things are at. It's right next to Planet Fitness on Grand River. And he said, our, our church would like to provide meals for hungry people. And uh, he orchestrated all of this and, and got it all set. So if you go to Will's Diner, I can recommend their omelets. They're huge and very good. So if you're into that sort of thing, um, it's a great restaurant. But they've entered into a partnership with us. And uh, you might see our logo on a sign in Will's Diner. So folks could come in on the honor system and say, I'm looking for a nice meal, and for up to $10, they can get a meal at Will's Diner uh, provided by our church. So it, it could be anybody, anybody who's economically disadvantaged in any way, shape, or form, and we hope that in some small way we can be a part of, of doing some good in our community. We collect groceries for Gleaners Community Food Bank that go to Bountiful Harvest and other organizations in the area, but but this, I think, is a partnership that I'm hopeful will be fruitful for folks in our community. At the end of the day, we hope it's part of the good news that maybe somebody desperately needs to hear. Today we're packing lunches for Noah, so I hope you'll do that as well on your way out the door. I, I, more than anything else, I just didn't want you to, to end this sermon today, you know, in the middle of this Lenten sermon series, with just wrestling with these seven last words of the cross because they're so heavy. I wanted to give you just a little taste that Easter's coming as well. But I hope that at some point this week you'll read through Psalm 22 and just take a moment and think about and reflect on the moments in your life that maybe you felt like there was a dark moment, a dark night of the soul. And I hope that you'll remember that the new dawn comes every day. Thanks be to God for the God that doesn't leave us on Good Friday but comes on Easter morning. Amen.
As we enter into a time of prayer, I want to draw our focus over to our prayer quotes for today. Our two recipients are Jane Jones, who is a friend of the Lutzes, and Brendan Alexander, who is a grandson of Gail Herkowitz. So today as, well not today, this week as I was thinking about my prayer for you today, um, I knew that today's sermon was on, uh, had the word forsaken in it, and I didn't know exactly, or I wondered what, exactly what forsaken meant. So of course, what did I do, like any good person does, is I googled it. So I googled it, and amongst many things, I noticed that it meant um, abandoned or deserted, which I thought was kind of interesting this week, the mood that those words brought up, because um, it kind of matched how I'd been feeling since last Sunday. So last Sunday, um, we have band practice Sunday nights, and we were coming into band practice, and Nancy Smale asked me, how are you feeling today, Carol? And I said, fine. And then later on, I was sitting on the floor here going through my music, and I said, Nancy, I need to apologize, or I need to clear up what I, um, or correct what I said. I said, I'm not feeling fine. I'm feeling horrible, and I just, I don't want to get into it because that's a whole nother thing, but I just am not feeling good. But I felt the need to say it out because it irritates me when people just say, I'm feeling fine, and I'm not. But then later on in the week, I had a doctor's appointment, and I should have got a, gotten the hint again because the doctor walked in, and I wasn't there for anything that was other than just a checkup, but she looked at me and she said, Carol, do you think we need to increase your depression medication? And I, and I thought, well, good gravy. What am I looking like if she thought that about me? What, what is my mood? So I just assessed the fact that my mood wasn't all that great, and I hadn't been feeling all that great. And while coming up with my prayer didn't necessarily improve my mood, um, it did... Um, made me realize that sometimes when we pray, our congregation is spectacular for praying for other people, and, and I feel like I'm you know included in that, that I just love praying for other people, but sometimes we need to pray for ourselves. We just need to focus on ourselves because we're the ones that are maybe feeling in a bad mood or feeling forsaken or feeling abandoned, and it's okay to pray for yourself. So today I want you to, amongst the prayers for everybody else, to focus on yourself also and not forget yourselves in your prayer. So let's pray. Gracious God, today 
we are focusing a little bit more on ourselves because we know that in order to be the best and do the best for others, we must do the best for ourselves. So in our talk with you, we give thanks. We give thanks for those moments that bring us joy. Thanks to you for the support that is available to us for medical help, for the big brains out there working on life's problems, for our family and friends, for the listening ear that you placed in our path, and for our time that we can spend together in our church community. Thank you for those people that see beyond our facades, that look deep into our eyes, that read our body language and see the pain or need that might be there and provide support. Your example of courage, even through the times of feeling forsaken, provides us with the hope of a brighter tomorrow when things seem at their most hopeless. We pray for those people that find themselves in these hopeless times, including ourselves. Heaviness comes in so many different forms and from such a variety of situations. Just when things seem to be going well, we can experience a setback. And we may not realize how far from you things have gotten until we feel out of reach. But by your teachings and examples, we know that that distance can be overcome with your help and the help of those in your name. That you will leave the 99 to come and find the one. The one that has strayed and succumbed to the dark feelings. Our prayers are to lift those up who are in need, but that is, is not possible. We pray that you send out a shepherd as guidance. We pray for all of those that are in need. But today, at this very moment, we pray for ourselves. We give thanks to you for creating us and all of our strengths and skills and abilities. We give thanks even for our weaknesses because they are unique in each of us. And on our way out of the darkness of our own lives, we learn and then can teach others. We pray for patience in those times that we may feel forsaken. Your time and plans do not always align with ours. We pray for tolerance, to be able to tolerate the uncomfortable, to manage our feelings of frustration. And now let's take a moment of silence to continue our prayers. That was a rough one, people. <laughs> but join your voices in mine in saying that prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our, day, our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This time of worship, we have an opportunity to respond to God's good word in our midst. And as we continue in this time, we'll invite the ushers to come forward and receive us, uh, our morning offering. And as, uh, as they do that, I want to invite Anne and Pam to come forward. They've been working um, uh, on, a, on a project to improve uh, the situation in our community in terms of public transit. And they had a wonderful celebration that included a celebration of Rosa Parks and, and access to, to transportation in our community. So I'm going to invite forward Anne and Pam to share with us uh, a report on, on what they've been up to. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Ann Sparling. And I'm Pam Kummer, and we're from the Church and Society Economic Justice Project. We wanted to share with you our excitement about what God is doing in our work. A little, little over a year ago, um, the need for adequate public transportation was made known to us by our own Mary Kushner um, in Livingston County Transportation. Um, who you probably know works faithfully and diligently at Torch 180 in Fowlerville, where young adults are trained to work in the restaurant business. Mary shared that some of the students have struggled to keep employment because they can't get to work and they can't get taken home and there's a lack of adequate public transportation. Yeah, so advocating for expanding public transit in Livingston County has been one of our missions for the past year. We've only been meeting about 14, 15 months. Um, in advocating, we have talked with the directors of LETS, which is the Livingston Essential Transportation Service, if you didn't know. Um, we've talked to township officials, written letters. We have um, worked together with the Transportation Coalition. Our own Ben Tasich is on the Transportation Coalition, and we have talked to and gone to county commissioner meetings. In 2022, just last year, we showed our appreciation to the Letts staff in a little celebration at the Letts garage. Um, there was what Pastor John and a couple of his children, Randy Kloss and myself, Mary and um, Greg Kushner, just a, uh, maybe a dozen and the Let's folks um, for our first annual Rosa Parks Transit Equity Day celebration. We appreciated Let's on that day and they seemed very um, happy with that. And it was a start, just a start. But we're excited to share today that last month we held our second annual Rosa Parks Transit Equity Day celebration at Torch 180. And with about 40 people in attendance this year, we enjoyed pancakes using the Rosa Parks um, pancake recipe and a full breakfast. We were able to, to partner with Transportation Coalition, the Sierra Club, Torch 180, and Molina Health came forward to plan and carry out this special event. They presented us with a check to fund the breakfast, and the representative from Molina shared how touched she was by the testimonies that people gave about how expanding public transit has improved lives. So on the screen, you'll see some pictures of that special day. Um, 
appreciation and recognition was shown to uh, Putnam, Unadilla, and Hamburg townships for their efforts to expand public transportation. Those three townships have put forth the money to have their own bus in their township, which is expanding um, the opportunities in those townships. And um, the representatives, the township supervisor for two of those were there and we presented them with certificates of appreciation and they testified about how amazing it's been for people, seniors and people with disabilities to get to where they need to go. Um, we also uh, presented certificates to the LET staff and um, Sierra Club and our own church and society. Uh, that's the uh, township officials, a couple of them. Um, our own church and society received uh, recognition as well. We were excited that the representative from Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin's office attended, and I think her picture is up there as well. Uh, in somewhere <laughs> and she expressed um, ex appreciation for our efforts and two of our county commissioners um, came and one of the commissioners even made a point to say that he knows he was very inspired by our celebration and pledged to work on this issue so we were also able to get the cities of Brighton and Howell to recognize and proclaim February 3rd as Rosa Parks Transit Equity Day so the celebration was everything we hoped for and more. Um, it was very inspiring from the moment that Rhonda from Torch 180 shared her testimony about being homeless and all uh, the folks that have helped her, some folks from this church lift her up and now she's running Torch 180. Um, she was inspiring. The lady from Molina Health was so inspiring. She said she came to give us you know, give us money to basically promote Molina, but she was completely touched by what happened there. Um, so God was present, people were inspired. Doing this work has been rewarding in so many ways. We get to meet people, I think that's been one of the most exciting things, meeting people in the community, working together with wonderful folks that care about people and about some of the same issues that we care about and helping people in Livingston County flourish. We're all growing in our understanding of the needs in our community, and we get to see other people grow as well. So we would like to invite you to consider joining us in our work. We're a small group. We only meet once a month um, for the Economic Justice Project on, at, on Zoom on the third Tuesdays of the month at 7 o'clock. And so, uh, you know, if you just are interested at all in joining us, maybe it could be writing letters, calling your commissioner, calling your township officials, going to a meeting if you choose. We would love for you to join us. We'll be out in the community room after this service. If you would like us to add your email to our list, we would love to do that. Thank you.
Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for the light in the darkness that you provide. We pray that these offerings will help to provide your light to someone who hasn't experienced it yet. Giving is one of the ways we share your love with others. So please bless our offerings and use them for the further building of your kingdom here on earth. Amen. Amen. We'll just keep going, right, Judy? Just keep singing. Just keep singing. Well, may your morning turn into dancing. May the songs of grief turn into songs of joy. May you know that in the darkness the light is coming. May your tears be dried and wiped from your eye. May you experience the joy of community and relationships that hold you together when it seems like everything may be coming apart. When you go out into the world, I pray that you might find other people who may be in tears and that you might wrap your arms around them. As you go out into the world, I pray that you would carry this good news with you. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. 
God will never abandon you. There is nothing in all of the world that you could ever do, Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8 says, that could ever separate you from the love of God that you have in Jesus Christ. So go out into the world being assured of God's love, even on the darkest nights of your soul. Go with the blessing of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us go loving and serving the Lord. Amen. We are so glad you worshiped with us. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. You are invited into this mission by worshiping, joining one or more small groups, sharing prayer requests, and becoming part of the community. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org for details about in-person worship at both of our two locations. We hope you were blessed by this worship. Please click the like button, subscribe to our channel, share this video, and join us again next week.